bless you tonight. I'd like to welcome each one of you to the house of the Lord. It's a Friday. We can relax. Hopefully you don't have to get up early. And if you do, you can still stay a little bit later. Amen. How many come expecting tonight? I know I have. Very excited to hear what God would use Brother Vernon to say. How many enjoyed that Sunday service? Amen. Uh, Brother Tim, that was just wonderful. And uh, I went away from that just thinking, it just really prodded my, uh, I don't know, spiritual thinking. But uh, some of the things Brother Tim was saying, and it, it, was, it was really good to hear what you said about the gospel going forth and, and how it went forth originally. And, uh, you know, it's just wonderful to know that we're living in another book of Acts. The world is looking around at what's going on, not understanding it, but I'm thankful that to be a believer tonight. Amen. To know where we stand, to know that we serve a true and living God. How many are thankful for that? Amen. Why don't we just stand tonight? We're just going to sing a few songs and turn the service to Brother Tom. But let's just enter into worship. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. Who can cheer the heart like Jesus by his presence all divine for he is true and tender pure and precious oh how blessed you call him Oh 
Once my soul was astray from the heavenly way. Once my soul was astray from the heavenly way. And was wretched and vile as could be. Oh, but my Savior above, He gave me peace, joy, and love when He reached down. sing once like a bird in prison I dwell oh once like a bird in prison I dwell and no freedom from my sorrow I fell but then Jesus came and lived 
Praise the Lord. Brother Matt Ardeal, can I ask you to come up and open service in a word of prayer for us? Thank you. Let's just sing that chorus one more time. He set me free. Oh, he set me free. Yes, he set me free. And he Get known to the Lord with an uplifted hand. Brother Matt. Lord, we're so thankful to be found in your presence tonight, O oh God. Father, we love to sing the praises, Lord, of your holy name. We can say glory to God, Father, for you set us free, Lord. Father, it wasn't us seeking you, but you sought us out, Father. You knew where we were at, O oh God. You knew what we needed, Lord. And you knew the right word that would strike a seed, and you knew we'd respond to you, O oh God. So we're, th- we're thanking you tonight, Father, for your wonderful mercy, Lord, that are new every morning, O oh God. Lord, that we could wake up every day and know, Father, that you are leading our footsteps, Lord. Father, we want to come tonight with thanks within our hearts. Lord, with a- on our lips, O oh God, we've come to hear your word, Father. We've come to worship you. Lord, have your way tonight, we pray in our midst, O God. Lord, break the fetters, O God. Lord, heal the sick, Lord. May faith rise tonight in your people, I pray, O God. To claim each and every need, Father, that is on each heart, I pray, O God. We ask that you anoint your servant this evening, Lord. He's traveled many miles, Father. I pray you'll strengthen him, Lord. Give him clarity of thought and, Lord, the right word that we would need for tonight, O God, we pray. We thank you now. We want to give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see, you can have your seats. Let's sing that song, Believe For It. Just had this song on my mind. We do want to make a welcome, Sister Leonarda. Do we have a sister here with us? God bless you. She's here to study. I think at... uh, Would you stand? God bless you. Amen. She's here to study, and I believe that your family is praying that your family can come as well. So we just want to remember that as well, and I think the children are hoping to get the children in by the fall time. Amen. God can do anything. Just welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and trust that you're always welcome here. Amen. Let's just sing this song. We believe for it. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. They don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We've heard. There is power 
a sinner to you, Lord, to change their course forever, Lord. You can come tonight, Lord, and transform a life, Lord Jesus. You can heal the sick, Lord. We believe that you are still the same God today, Lord. We love you, Lord, tonight. We commit this service to you, Lord. Commit this time to you in your presence and ask you to come and commune with us, Lord. Speak lip to ear with your bride once more, I pray, Lord. Oh, my God is awesome, and he can move the mountains, keep me in the valley, hide me from the rain. My God is awesome, he heals me when I'm broken, gives strength where I
He's a true and living God. And he's present here tonight. Amen. Why don't you have your seats? We're just going to maybe do something a little bit different. Um, Brother Andrew? Why don't you grab a mic? The song we sang before, awesome. Because he is indeed awesome. He can do it. He can do it. I do not know exactly what the Lord's going to do this weekend. But I believe the Lord's going to do something this weekend. I believe it with all my heart. The song before Ryan. Yeah. Brother Friesen, would you please stand? Sister Ruth Friesen, or Sister Ruth, his wife. They are here with Brother Vernon and Sister Irene. I want you to look at two miracles here. So we just don't sing what we believe. We live what we believe. Brother EBA, I want you to know, God healed our brother Friesen from third stage cancer from in the side of his ear to his brain. God took it from him. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing what the word said by your stripes, I am healed. And if God could bring a man and a son of God all the way from the Philippines to increase your faith, EBA, he would do that. We heard about Philip getting moved to a chariot. Is that not true? Did you not preach that? Then God, he might not have moved him by a spirit. He moved him by an airplane. Brought him right here to be with us. I believe to help you, Brother EBA, believe Satan is defeated. Amen. I believe it with all my heart. If it can do it for one, he can do it for another. God has no favorites. He loves us all the same. And I, I, I had a wonderful afternoon. I was broken at certain times. Brother Friesen was giving me his testimony and what God has done in their life, their family. I just want to rejoice because the God of this message is the same God here at Cloverdale as it is in the Philippines, as it is in Africa, as it is around the world. This gospel is true. Amen. As Brother Biscoll often used to say, this message has a life of its own. It's the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm so blessed, Brother Friesen, Sister Ruth, by your testimony. You were so kind to us for Joanne and I in the Philippines. And we'll never forget that. And with them, of course, Pastor Vernon Manahan is here from the Philippines with his dear wife, Sister Irene. Would you please stand and the two daughters? Please stand. We welcome you. God bless you, and we're so happy that you're here with us to partake of what the Lord's going to do this weekend. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Well, God is, is good. He's very good. And I, I'm, I'm thankful tonight that I can ad, ad, um, ask a friend, and a, a 
labor in the gospel, our precious brother Vernon Manahan, who is not a stranger to any of us, I don't believe. But you know, there's um, men of God that are real princes, real prince. And I believe Brother Vernon is such a man as that. He's a prince in the kingdom of God. He has helped spread this message throughout the Philippines, worked with us in Bible believers. He's held his post of duty. God called him to the ministry. He has a lovely church, Bible believers, Christian fellowship, Manila, Philippines. I had the honor and privilege to be there on their 25th anniversary. And, and Brother Vernon, I want to say thank you for that opportunity. I believe every time we have a meeting, God wants to do something supernatural. It might not come through this vessel or these brothers' vessels at this time. But God has chosen in the great mind of God to have Pastor Manahan come to minister to this little church in Cloverdale Bible Way. We want to pull. We want to rejoice. We want God to use the vessel in any way he wishes to use him tonight. We will be having our normal service on Sunday morning. And then Brother Vernon has agreed, maybe forcibly, maybe not, to take Wednesday night also before they leave to Edmonton for services there. And I thank you for that, Brother Vernon. Amen. Well, without any further delay, let's just stand to our feet. Let's just sing that, the the chorus to that. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe. Are you believing, saints? confession Saints, and uh, 
uh, you may be seated for a while. I'd just like to give a little greetings from our church in the Philippines. And I would like to thank the Lord, uh, first of all, for having us uh, to be here once again. I think this is my fifth time that I'll be here, so five is a number of grace, so God will be graceful to all of us. Amen. We look forward to what the Lord is doing to us and uh, will be doing to us. And uh, this time, I, uh, as Brother Tom said, I, uh, I was able to travel with uh, my two daughters. Last time I was here, 2019, my, I was with my wife. And I was uh, planning to go back in 2020, but of course the pandemic hit us and no one was traveling. But the Lord was gracious. But, uh, he brought Brother Tom and Sister Joanne in the Philippines last year during our church anniversary. And we were talking about going here. And I'm thankful to the Lord that uh, I had my two daughters come with me. The first time I was here was 2002. And um, I, I was praying to the Lord. I said, that was 21 years ago. And I said, my daughters were so small. during They, they were still kiddies during that time. And I said, I pray, Lord, that one day I can bring them here. It took 21 years for an answered prayer, but nevertheless, it was answered, so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. And uh, they are now in their 20s, and uh, I mean, they, they, they grew up fast, and now uh, the reason why I want them to be here is because I want them to feel the presence of the Lord that I felt 21 years ago here. They're still very present here. You know, sometimes you can go... If you have money, you can go, you can be a tourist in every country that you like to go. But it, there's never, never a comparison that we go to a certain place that you meet the believers that you will spend eternity with. So I'm thankful to the Lord that uh, you know, I, I saw your faces again. Of course, 21 years ago, I've seen people, and as a pastor in the U.S. once said, people in the church come and go. Sometimes you will see them, sometimes you will not see them. And sometimes some of the people have passed away, gone home to the Lord. But, uh, you know, the Lord is gracious. We will have a grand reunion when the time comes. Amen? And most, some of you people here have also gone to the Philippines. And uh, we, we, we thank the Lord for that. And I'm uh, happy also that um, not only my wife and my two daughters, but a couple from our church, Brother Friesen, has been uh, a great testimony. I, I, I'm bringing him to the mission works that I'm doing in different parts of the country, in different parts of Asia, because I want uh, his testimony to be heard by other people to be an encouragement, because it was supernatural. Any, any healing that happens is supernatural, I believe. See, and uh, we, we testify not what happened to us, but what God did to us. Amen. So it is a privilege, it's an honor for me to, to, to have Brother Friesen and his wife together with us. Now, as Brother Tom mentioned, we... I'm not, I don't uh, consider myself a stranger here because uh, I've, been, I've worked with Bible believers for 10 years in my earlier years. That was my, I consider it as my tour of duty with Bible believers, Cloverdale Bible Way. And, uh, you know, uh, as I look back, uh, of course, uh, I, I always say that uh, it's, it's been one of my, my great honor and privilege to be part of the ministry that other, Brother Ed Biscal had because... I, I was able to, to, to get the inspiration you know, of spreading the message. He, I put a mission, a, a vision, like a mission vision in the office in the Philippines before I took it from the, one of the faith challenge report uh, where Brother Ed said, uh, 
his mission, his mission or his desire is to, to, to give the, this liberating message, to, to, to spread it out and so that those that are ordained to eternal life may receive it. And I believe that has been done, continuously being done. And as I was hearing the, the, the mission report of Brother Tim last Sunday, it just makes me, you know, not, not, not excited because when you're getting old, you do not get excited <laughs> because you're settled already, right? But uh, when I was hearing his mission report, I said, the, 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 the move of the Lord is continuing, yes. looking for the last predestinated seed. And not only looking for the last predestinated, but he, the, the Lord is already establishing all the believers all over the world now because I believe that as the end-time evangelism uh, message said, that uh, we need stone mason to shape the confessions. That means we have to be matured, not just message believers, but matured message believers. So we are getting older. I'm getting older. The, the, the prophet said we get weaker, but we get wiser. Amen? So I'm a, I am wiser now than 21 years ago. So I would not preach very, very long. <laughs> Because I know if you're a wise preacher, you don't preach very long. You don't want to tire the people. But I, I, have, I have something in my heart that I would like to share uh, to, the, to, the, to the congregation. And hopefully the Lord will help us. And uh, uh, I believe that, you know, I, we always say in the pulpit that there's the people, they have their expectation, they will meet. I cannot meet your expectation but there's one who can meet our expectation tonight, amen, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So can I, can I uh, invite you to stand, and I will just uh, read a portion of the word, and uh, thank you for the musicians, God bless you all. And uh, I bring greetings to, from our church in the Philippines, and uh, it's, I think it's four in the morning right there in the Philippines, so nobody's watching us right now. <laughs> So, but they will watch eventually. Amen. So today, uh, I was praying to the Lord that what will I preach in Cloverdale? And of course, we know that there was uh, Brother, Brother Tom was officially announced as to be the pastor of this church from Brother, the pastor, pastor leadership of Brother Ed Biscal. And I think it's fitting that this message, uh, I, I, made, I gave a title, Season of Transition. This is a season of transition. It's not, I will not be talking about the transition of this church, but I will be talking about the transition of our spiritual life. Amen? So let's open our Bibles in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. We'll be reading the first two verses. Deuteronomy, chapter 8. This is after 40 years of the journey of the Hebrew children. The prophet said it should be days before, from Egypt, to the promised land, but because of their stubbornness, they have to, to wait for 40 years to get to the promised land. Now, this is almost the ending of the 40 years, and this is the, this is the word of the Lord. It says here in verse 1, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember the way which the Lord thy God led thee those forty years in the wilderness. There are three things. To humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, we'll just be reading one verse. It says here, 
To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens. That means God does not do things randomly. Everything that he does, he has a clear, very clear purpose. We may not understand it, but God knows what he's doing. Amen. And I'm glad that he knows what he was doing. He's doing. Amen. So there is a season for everything, a time for every purpose under the heaven. So let's all bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today with humble hearts, asking for your grace and for your mercy that you may anoint each one of us today to take the message to receive our individual portion for this night. I believe, Lord, that the message that you have inspired to my heart is the message that the people needs to hear at this specific time because you are a God that works in both ends. I may not know what the intents of their hearts, but you know the intents of our hearts. So, Lord, we just submit ourselves to you. We surrender our thoughts and everything that is in us. May you have your way, have preeminence, And at the end of the preaching of the word, may you get all the glory for we ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise be to God. You may now be seated uh, in the presence of God. Amen. And so today, as I was telling, I I want to to, to preach uh, this this night, just lay lay a foundation and give like uh, the main topic of this subject on Sunday. But let me read to you first a, a portion of uh, the message, the reproach for the cause of the word. Brother Branham says here, And God sets a time and has a purpose for everything that he does. There's nothing happens just accidentally to those who love the Lord and are called according to his calling. We are predestinated and everything works just right for that because he cannot lie. He said that was that everything has its time, its season, and it has its way, and God is behind every move. Amen. And, and we, we believe that God is behind every move. And sometimes you think that everything is going wrong. It's up to us. Those things are put upon us, trials and wondering. It's testing to see how we will react into an action. Amen. So whatever happens in our life, amen, it's always under the sovereign will of God. Amen? Sometimes it, we can see in our life, there's the good, the bad things, and the ugly things. But in verse 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So I don't care if you have bad experiences or ugly experiences, I'm looking at the end. Because in the end, it, he will make all things beautiful in his time. So... Our subject for today is about transition. And when you say transition, it's the process or a period of time of changing from one state to another. Okay? And all of, in all our life, it is comp- composed of uh, continuous transition from the time that we are born as an infant to the time that we become a child. And uh, uh, from childhood to teenage life and from teenage life to young adulthood and to young adult from young adulthood to to a fully grown adult amen and uh, when we hit that age from 35 to 42 because that's the middle of the age because the bible said our lives is 70 years if by reason of strength it becomes 80 so if we presuming that we will all live at the age of 70 our midlife is 35 to 40 amen to 42, I mean. Why? Because the prophet said every seven years, 
something happens to us. There's a change that's happening to us. And I was reading a, a scientific, um, um, like a research. They said, that these doctors said that uh, every seven years, there, there's, uh, our, our old cells die and the new cells come in. So every seven years in our life, from birth until the age that we are in now, we are totally new creation by scientific explanation. And here's a grade seven prophet explaining to us that every seven years, there's a change. Amen. I, don't be, I believe the science and I believe the prophet also. And it coincides. No? There's, there's no contradiction. And so uh, that is the young adult. But when, and that's why we hear the name, the, 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 the term midlife crisis because at this point in time, you transition, Right? You transition to, to what you were, to what you need to be. And then Brother Branham always mentioned about the time of life, right? And the time of life, it is, Brother Branham said, it's where Satan lies to you and make you think something is wrong with you, right? And it changes and that gives you weary thoughts. It is the time that it bothers the women, the prophet said, and these men usually get a kind of funny carrying on. And, and he also said that we must, at that time of our life, we must bear one another and understand one another, right? And after we pass through this time of life, uh, maybe in our late 50s, in our 60s, we approach our senior years. Amen. It's again, it's transition. Now you're full of experience, you're full of wisdom. It's what the world calls golden years. Why golden years? Because you have been tried and you have been tested and you have so much experience in life that you can pass on to the next generation. So all these years that has passed through, okay, uh, you, we experience transition when the young people. So this message of transition is encompassing to everyone. I don't know, care if you are 70 years old or in your 80s or you're in your teenage, you will pass a transition of transition. And if you don't know how to handle it, sometimes you get off in another direction, right? So we can, we can see here, right, that if we, uh, after this, this, this golden years and we still are alive and the Lord has not yet come, we come to the twilight years of our life. The, this is, these are the last remaining years of our life. For an unbeliever, it's a dreaded thing because things are uncertain. It's, it's time some people get depressed. But if we are a believer, this is the glorious time. Right? It's a glorious time because you are already preparing yourself for eternity. Amen. So it's not negative. It's always positive. We look at nature. There's always a transition every single year. There's a transition of the season. Now it's, you're approaching your summertime. Then it will be fall. Then it will be winter. Then it's like a, just a cycle going on always and always. But in a time of transition or in a season of transition, there are three things that we need to do. We need to prepare we need to adapt, and we need to innovate. Now, can you imagine, I was talking with Brother Tom yesterday, if we are still listening to the message in a real-to-real tape. We did not adapt, we did not innovate, and it will be hard for us. Now, we, we have to move with technology and use technology for the glory of God. And so, in every time of transition, things change, and we have to, to go with the change. Not our faith, but we have to walk according to the light, right? Now, in the message junctions of time, Brother Branham said, there are, I can mention seven junctions, he said, 
And if you, will, if you read that message, he said the first junction is the time of Noah. It was increased knowledge, and it was, of course, judgment of the flood, right? And the second junction was the time of Abraham. Why was it a junction? Because there was a covenant, amen? And uh, it was a time also of uh, perversion, the Sodom condition and everything. And uh, the next or the third junction was the time of Moses. It was Exodus coming out and the law uh, and, and, and going into the promised land. So it was a junction. It was a universal junction. And then it was the time of Elijah. The fourth junction he said it was the restoration of the altar. It was a showdown. And there you will hear the still small voice. Right? And the, four, uh, uh, and the fifth uh, junction was the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, that is the time of grace, time of salvation. It was the ultimate sacrifice. After Jesus Christ, there's no more sacrifice to be done, but because that was the ultimate sacrifice. And then the time of reformation. After the dark ages, the prophet said, it was a time of justification and sanctification, and you are all message believers, so I know that you know what I'm talking about. And in the seventh junctions of time, the seventh, he said, it was the time of restoration. Gifts were restored, and the revelation of the word was restored, right? The word was restored, and now we are feeding on the open book, amen? And now we, we, are, we are being dressed with this, with this word, the righteousness of God. And so we, we experience, uh, like as an age, church age, there's a transition. Individually, there's a transition. Collectively, as a church, we have transition. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, it is said that it was written sometime around 1406 B.C. At the end of 40 years of, uh, of wandering in, uh, in this um, nation of Israel or the Hebrew children, they were they, they endured this this forty years of traveling. Uh, it, it the book of the De- Deuteronomy De- brings us to a recognition that we have a choice before us. That's why you can read in the, in the in the nineteenth verse of Deuteronomy thirty. It says there that I call heaven and earth to reward this day to to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death and blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may may live so the lord was telling through moses i record to you this day you, know, you can choose either death or life but he was not suggesting but commanding choose life Amen. therefore choose life don't Amen. do not choose death you have a choice but our choice is in god's choosing Amen. Now, so, so Moses lived in this time. He was the, the promised deliverer, but we know his story. Forty years he was trained in Egypt. Then after that is the next 40 years of life. It was the transition. Transition of Moses from what he was trained to be to what God wanted him to be. So it took 40 years to strip everything that he learned in Egypt. And if you you want to analyze this situation, you will think, why would God allow 40 years of education in Egypt when God will strip it in the next 40 years? And the answer there is God wants us to know that even we are so educated in this world, we have so many experiences and everything, God does not need that. He doesn't need it. He can use you as the way He wants to use us, but He knows that we don't know that. So sometimes when we are young, we want to achieve, we want to get, you know, uh, uh, 
recognized by people. If you're working, you want to get promoted. It's not, there's nothing bad being promoted, working hard, getting masteral degrees. But if you will put everything, or like, like our, let's say, our, our, we, we, we trust in our education and the things that we achieve, then we're doing wrong, right? We have to trust God. It's just a, a, uh, a privilege for us. I was talking to one of our brothers in church that uh, he had a mild stroke and he was working in a, in, in a company. He, is, uh, he was a manager in that company and we had, he had this mild stroke. Immediately, the, 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 the company just, you know, kicked him out of the company. That's why I always tell the, the, the fathers in our church, spend more time with your family, not in your workplace. Because once we finish our job or they don't need you anymore, they will replace you with computers. They will replace you with somebody that is younger. They don't mind if you stay or not. Right? Because, some, because these companies will always remain uh, as a company, with or without us. And we don't mind anyway, right? Because we just get the salary, work, right? But we, in our deathbed, it's only our families will be in our deathbed. It's not the owner of the company. You may be the CEO right now in the company that you're working for. But after you resign, another CEO goes up and they won't remember you. They will not remember what you have done. But before you leave, they will give you so many accolades. They will give you so many rewards, certificates, a gold watch. <laughs> then after that, they forget you. They will forget you. I used to work in a company that you know, everybody knows me. But after a while, uh, you can go there and you can leave without anybody noticing you. Because you are not important. And that teaches me, that taught me that I am not important. I am nothing. Right? Without the, gra- the grace of God, even in the ministry, you can go to missions around the world by the grace of God. Because of my association with, with, with Cloverdale Bible, I was invited in different countries. And, you know, sometimes you think you are popular. But as you grow older, you realize it's just a privilege. Because those people that you have met in your journey in life, they will forget you. Some may remember you. Some or maybe few, or maybe one, <laughs> but not all, not all. And sometimes uh, I, I, I always say that, uh, you know, you are happy to see the people, but, you know, we have a, when we get old, we have a loss of memory. No matter what you gave them and everything, they will forget you. But it's not important. We have a God that remembers everything that we do. And that's what we are working for, right? Amen. So, we, 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 we say, we, we, we can see here, right? In, 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 the, in the life of, of, of uh, Moses, he was 80 years old when he got commissioned by God. Okay? He served for the next 40 years of his life after the transition period. And during the transition period, the Lord was stripping everything that Moses has learned from Egypt. And by the time he's being, he's being commissioned, in the book of Exodus chapter 3, I believe, he said, I'm not able to speak anymore. I'm not qualified anymore. 
And when he said that to the Lord, the Lord said, Now I can use you. Before he was full of himself. But when he, he felt that he was already nothing, and then God said, I can use you. And sometimes you say, we are too old to be used by God. That is what, when God will use you more. That is when God can use you when you, you cannot speak that much anymore. And you cannot write that much anymore. You cannot speak so well anymore. Why? Because it's, it's now God working in you and not you working. Right? So, every single position that we have, I believe, is a preparation of the next position that the Lord will give us. We cannot despise our beginnings or our maybe humble beginnings because until we are here, God wants to do something further in our life. Amen? And if you, if you, if you will not see that, we will think that the Lord, the Lord is over. As long as we are alive, the Lord is not yet over with us. I always say in our church, God is not finished with you until He's finished with you. Okay? He will keep on doing something in our life as long as we surrender our life. Now, we, we, we realize, my brothers, my sisters, right, that, that God, uh, um, when God was speaking to Moses, he, he said, it was a time, uh, this is from the message Moses, that the children of Israel got away from God and got away from his precepts and so forth, and he had become gotten into trouble and were down in Egypt, in the Egyptian bondage, and there comes a great need. As long as they were faring sumptuously and at need of nothing, why they went along all right. But when God's prophetic time come to pass, it's about God's prophetic time. When God's prophetic time come to pass, after he promised Abraham that his seed would sojourn in a strange land for 400 years, he would bring them out by strong hand. Then when the hour of time of the promise drew nigh, then rose up a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. Now, God is always looking in his timeline, not in our timeline. Sometimes he answers our prayers after many, many years because he is looking in our timeline. In the time of transition, he's doing something in us. Let me read some, uh, some more quotes. In, in the messages, wonders to perform. And if you just notice how it could have happened in another time, how God, in his great, wise providence, how that he moves every cog just to hit at the right time. So 400, more than 400 years of bondage. It would seem so long, but God was moving right on time. Right? Now, and that gives us faith sometimes. When we think, oh, everything's all topsy-turvy and there's no way out. Don't think that God is making it work just exactly according to his time program. Now, individually, we want something from the Lord. And sometimes, it's always, we are living in, in, the, in, in the age of instant gratification. We want everything fast. Fast. All, all, all is automatic. All, we don't want to be in the waiting line. Unfortunately, on our way here, we, I was in a long waiting line. Our flight was canceled for 12 hours. Then it was resumed after 12 hours. And we have to wait for our luggage for more than an hour. So I said... The Lord is making my preaching reality. <laughs> he wanted me to wait and wait and wait. And every time you wait, the first reaction that we get, we become irritated. And when you become irritated, you lose your temper. And when you lose your temper, you start reacting the wrong way. 
right? And when you start reacting the wrong way, you start hurting people. Either by your words, your actions, or just by your face, right? So, you see, that is the, the, the problem. But God wants us to learn, to learn how to wait, right? In the message, Why Are We Not a Denomination, he said, don't let nobody tell you that any kind of a move in the world can ever interfere with God's great come. She's moving right on it. It was planned back there in the beginning or even before the beginning. There ain't a devil or enough devils that can interfere with this program. So if we are sure and we are very sure that we are in the program of God, we are walking in the program of God, we are never late. God is always on time. You remember the testimony of Brother Branham when he was about to go to the airport, catching his flight, and there's this, 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 this uh, woman that has a son who is sick, and he was asking for parson, parson, calling for Brother Branham, and Brother Branham thought he would be late. But because he had to heed to the call of the woman, pray for the son, who had uh, a syphilis, I think the disease was, and when he got to the airport, he found out that the flight, was delayed. Why? Because God is orchestrating every single time. Right? So if God can do that to them, God can do that to us. You may be waiting for something or praying for something and waiting for the answer, but God will always be on time. Right? When, when Sister Ruth, uh, the, the wife of Brother Friesen, after Brother Friesen had the cancer, he was she was also diagnosed with a big lump right, in the stomach. And the, the, the doctor said to her, it's already malignant because it was not taken out. And of course, she was crying. The elders went to the hospital. We prayed for her. And of course, if, you, if, if the doctors will tell you that it's malignant and you will be counting days before you, the Lord takes you home, you will not be in a good condition. But the Lord made a miracle Right at the time, amen, that, the, that the, the, the doctor was saying that and their salt went out and they said it was, what they call that, benign, not cancerous. Was the doctor lying when he said that it was malignant? It was not, he was not lying. But there's a God that we serve that can turn the possible, the impossible to a possible. Yeah? So we, we, we see how the Lord moves. It's, it's beyond it's beyond our comprehension. We cannot put the Lord in a box and, you know, just, just give Him time to do it. No, we, we, that's, 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 that's the problem of human being. In the message, the deity of Christ, He said, God is in no hurry. It is us who gets in a hurry all the time. We want fast, fast, fast. We don't want slow, Right? Just give God just a little bit of time and you'll see the old prophetic wheels, the cogs, run right up into the picture, right? So we, have just, we just have to trust God by all these things. And when the cogs of God prophetic uh, uh, moves in our life, then things start to happen, okay? As I said, collectively as a bride or the body of Christ, we are walking in God's vision, but individually we are, we are fulfilling the purpose of God in our life. Now, going back to our opening text, there are three things that will happen that is happening during the time of, or, or in the season of transition. 
He says there that first, it is to humble us, right? So I will take this, I'll bring this to our personal address, right? Season of transition is allowed by God. So, we, so he can humble us. Because we are, people are so full of themselves. As people, we want to do something for ourselves. We want to accomplish things. We want to even to make a name for ourselves. In the book of Genesis, chapter 11, verse 4, during the Tower of Babel, the time of Nimrod, the Bible said, And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into the heavens, and let us make us a name. Three things that they want to do. Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Why is it that this is wrong? Because the Lord said, go forth and multiply. They will have to be together. There was one language. But they don't want to follow the word of God. City is like, types our accomplishment in life today. People want to have accomplishment. They want to build a tower. Towers in the Old Testament is a place of refuge, of safety. They want to be secured in their own ways. Right? If you go to a big company, they will hire security professionals and, you know, secure everything, information security, physical security. Why would they pay millions for to secure? Because they want to be secured away from God. Right? Our true security is the Lord. But people want to have their accomplishment. They want to make a name for themselves. The name means reputation. Right. See? It's always... Uh, I would say a normal thing when, when in a time of transition leaders will say this is my legacy I want to leave a legacy but you know when we leave a legacy to the company that we work or to the family that we belong or to the church that we belong it's still about yourself because you want people to remember your name it's not what you accomplish but they, you want your name to be on the wall, right? We, because this, 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 the people who want, it, there's nothing wrong with leaving a legacy, but if that is our motive and objective in accomplishing things, I think something is off somewhere. Because true believers does not leave a legacy, they leave testimonies. So if you are old and retiring, you say, I want to leave a testimony. I want to leave a testimony to my children. I, love to I want to leave a testimony to, my, to, my, to the congregation that I am a pastor of. I want to leave a testimony to the people I meet in my life. Because if it's legacy, it's about yourself and yourself alone. But if you leave a testimony, it is about what God did in your life. Amen. So testimony is better than legacy. Amen. So remove legacy in your vocabulary and replace it with living a testimony. That's why the, me, the prophet me, uh, preached a whole message, time-tested memorials. It's about living a testimony that will encourage the next generation. So it's not, see, uh, it's not about us, it's about God. Our individual life, he must, as the, as the Bible said, we, he must increase and we must decrease. At the end of my ministry, I don't want people to remember my name, my preaching. I want them to see Christ in me. And I believe that that's also your desire. So as I grow older, I want people to see Christ in me, not me in me. Because some people want to see me in me. Right? It's about themselves. So we want Christ to be magnified in our life. Now, 
It is about humility. God wants to humble us, right? So in the message, perfect strength, here's what the prophet said. Instead of Christians humbling themselves and emptying themselves to find more of the room of God, they try to build themselves up in a homemade knowledge or technical school knowledge or something that drives them farther away from God than they was when they started. That's what I'm thinking about these artificial altar calls. Now, Brother Branham had altar calls. Altar calls are good. But he's mentioning, mentioning here, I'm thinking about these artificial altar calls. You bring him in, and the next time, it's ten times harder to get, get him back again. But let him sit and listen until God does something for him. And then let him come and confess it and rise, calling upon the name of the Lord, and that's right. Because in a big, let's say, for example, a camp meeting, and there will be altar calls, and it's good. People get saved. But what will be the situation, let's say, a year after? Did they grow? Did, were they established with the word? So altar call is just the beginning. Sometimes we go, oh, the, the, the service was good. It's because of the altar calls. And it is good. But if it's an artificial altar call, it will never transform. As a preacher, and I believe the, all the preachers here share with, with, this, with these thoughts. As a preacher, my gauge, my gauge that I have preached what God wanted me to preach is if I can see transformed lives. Transformed lives. And sometimes... When lives are being transformed, there's no much noise. It's silent. You just see them living the life. Not, oh, Brother Vernon, why was blessed by, the, by your preaching? And you ask the title, they don't even know. See? Because people are so kind. They will give you accolades. They will give you, you know, like uh, words of encouragement. But once you see a transformed life, then you know. That you have done your part. Because you, are see, you see people being transformed in their lives. And sometimes you don't have to read to, to, to hear something from them. But just to see them living what you have preached. It is, it's already an indication that they were listening to your preaching. Now, so God gives us humbling experience. Sometimes we are so stubborn that we don't want to humble ourselves. So God will give us humbling experience. Right? And what are these humbling experiences? For example, you, failure in your school, failure to finish your college because you didn't uh, do well in school, maybe failure in your career, you did not get promoted, you, were, you believe that you're so good in doing something, maybe a failure in business. These are a whole, all humbling experiences and you should embrace it. Not because we want to fail, but we want to learn, right? And sometimes problems in relationship, husband and wife, Parents and children, siblings fighting one another, members of the church, it is a humbling experience. Right? If we say that this church is the best church, then watch for something to happen wrong. Why? Because God doesn't want to, uh, to, to share the glory. Amen? So God allows this humbling experience, sometimes it challenges in the ministry. I remember Brother Lonnie Jenkins before when he was in the Philippines way back in 95. He said, or 1996, he said, he told me, I was not even a preacher during that time. And Brother Lonnie Jenkins told me, 
when you become a preacher, you will realize. And I was asking, why was he saying that I will become a preacher? I was not even a preacher during that time. He said, you preach on a Sunday, people are blessed. The next Sunday, people are not blessed. And God is allowing that so you, do, you will not trust in yourself. It does not mean that they are blessed that you are a good preacher. You, they were blessed because God used you as a vessel. Then the next Sunday, they will not be blessed. They will not even say amen. Right? And the worst thing, they will sleep on your preaching. Right? Because, not because of you, not because of the message that you are preaching, because God is teaching the preacher, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's a humbling experience. And sometimes when you get sick, when we have a, this a terminal illness, it, it gives us a humbling experience as well. I remember, sorry for borrowing your testimony, Brother Friesen, but Brother Friesen was, he has a high position in the job and in, in the company that he's working. He's a vice president of that company. And of course, you know, living a worthy life and trusting all his savings and everything. But, you know, sometimes when the Lord distracts you, it really hurts, right? And so he realized that everything that he has accomplished, everything that he realized, because Sister Ruth, his wife, was the first to be in the message. So Sister Ruth, the wife, sharing to the husband, it's almost mission impossible, right? And when the Lord turned the tide, it was Brother Friesen who went to the church by himself, right? He had this, this desire to go to the church. And, of course, the rest was history and... Uh, I mean, God knows, God knows how to put us in a corner that you cannot fight back. You will, you will lose all your resources and everything just to humble you and to realize that when you cannot look in your left, look on your right, look around, you'll just look up. Amen. That's the reason why hospitals are all white in walls. Because if you lie down and you look, everything is white you realize that you have nothing. You have nothing. That's the psychology of a white collar in a hospital. But now they're changing. They make it light blue and everything. <laughs> but originally, a hospital is all white. Nurses all wear white. Doctors wear white. Because if all you see is white, all you see is white, that means nothing. Nothing. And you look up and you say, there's only one God that can help us in our situation. Right? So all these things, nothing happens without a purpose, right? Amen. Amen. So humility. See, here's the only thing, you know, uh, the, the prophet said, here's the only thing to be conscious of, your littleness. If you want to get somewhere with God, make yourself real little. It's hard to make yourself little, especially when you know that you have something, right? So what is the definition of true humility? Humility. Uh, True humility does mean, oh, uh, like for example, I go to the pulpit and I go, Brother Tom, I'm not much of a preacher. That, that takes away the confidence of the congregation. So I, told, I tell my young ministers, and I just never apologize in the pulpit that you are not a preacher. Because somebody might say, what are you, why are you standing there if you're not a <laughs> preacher? So that is false humility. And false humility is equal to pride. Right? So... You, the, the, for me, my definition of true humility is knowing that you have something in you, but you do not brag about it. 
That is true humility. You have confidence in what God has given you, but you do not talk about it so much. They will just see it in your life by the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you conduct yourself. They will just see it. It will be vindicated by your actions. So you don't have to brag over everything. So humility softens the heart and heart of, of people. It humility breaks every walls of partition. So the, the Lord knows, amen, to, to push us in a corner until we cannot retreat anymore and you start kneeling before the Lord. So sometimes God allows these things to happen. He even allows us to make wrong decisions in our life. You know why? Because with the wrong decisions, there's, there's a corresponding uh, wrong consequence in your life and it humbles us down. So if you make a wrong decision, don't fret. Be, be thankful to the Lord that God allowed us to make wrong decisions. So out of ten, maybe I can make eight wrong decisions. I'm thankful for the eight. Very thankful for the two right decisions. Right? <laughs> Amen. So because we want to be to humble, God knows how to humble ourselves. Let me read another quote in the, uh, he said, be humble by, by humbling ourselves to his death, reckoning ourselves nothing, then uh, the Holy Ghost comes in and lifts us up and we don't trust in ourselves because we can do nothing, but we, we can do all things, right? And, and the, the prophet always mentions about human ability. We need to master the thought of human ability. As long as we have this human ability, we cannot master it to, to get rid of it, we will always be thinking of ourselves. So God allows season of transition to humble us. So if God is humbling us, let's be thankful. Humbling experience is always hurting us. Always. It's not a good thing to be humble. Yeah? But we need it. The second is to prove us. Now, let me read you a quote here. To humble us, to prove us. Of course, this is for the Hebrew children, but we are the spiritual Israel. Amen. So, so, so here is what the prophet said. He gives you trial after trial, test after test, trial after trial, test after test, until the life of Christ is reflected in your life, until you become peaceful, sober, meek, gentle, humble, ready, submissive, willing, turn your head from the things of the world and looking straight to Calvary, to the one who's doing the beating. Many times you think it's strange because fire trials, sickness, Persecutions is only that to test you to get the dirt out of you. Amen. And every time I, we, another paragraph, we said, every time a wind hits a tree and shoves it back and forth and back and forth, it only loosens the roots so it can go deeper and get a better hold. Every time sickness strikes your home, every time trials strikes your home, every time the neighbors say something bad about you. It's only shaking you. Brother Michael spoke about, uh, I, I took that word and make it, made it personal, the remainers. In fact, Brother Michael, when you go there, I'll give you a shirt with the remainers. <laughs> right. You know why? Because we are the remainers. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Anything that will remain will remain. So when I was listening to that message of Brother Michael, I said, well, this is, this is something because not everybody will remain. Some of the people that we, are, we were with when we were starting are not here anymore. Yeah. Not because they died or they transferred church. Some left the message yeah. or many left the message. And it is a good thing. 
You know, because this is a narrow path. We cannot all fit in the narrow path. So, you know, some of these people need to go out. Their excess luggage in our journey. Spiritual excess baggage. Right? You know, when you are climbing a mountain, you, you want to get rid of the non-essentials. During the pandemic, you cannot go out of your home if you are not an essential worker. If you are not going out for essential reasons. It is a preview of the rapture. If you are not essential, you will not be in the rapture. Huh? God does not care if you leave the church if you are not part of the essentials. But we are the essentials. That's another theme of the remainers, the essentials. Right? Amen. So we see that we need to know, to understand what is essential in our life. Yeah? So these trials will be given like a tree hitting by the wind. He sends those trials to prove you, to shake you up, and to give you a new hold. So every time we are shaken, every time we are proved by the Lord, amen, it, it gives us a stronghold of the word. We are anchored more on the message. We are not just message believers, but we are true message believers. We know what we are talking about. It's not something that you inherit from your parents, just heard growing up in, in, in a church, but now it becomes personal, right? It becomes personal. I, I used to, 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 to do like a lecture in, in the company, right? Uh, in a company, uh, I was invited to speak. And I was talking about how people should be good stewards of the blessings of God. Of course, it is a secular job. It's not a preaching, but I use some you know, nuggets from the Word of God and from the message. It's a wise way of evangelizing these intellectual people, right? But they don't know. Like, like, for example, if you say character is a victory, where did you find that? They can never find it unless they become message believers, right? <laughs> so it is like our secret weapon. And so I was telling them, when you, become, when you became a company, a, a, an employee of that company, you become a member of that company. You get the salaries and everything and uh, all the benefits and compensation. So that's a membership of the company. You have the ID, you're a regular uh, member of that company. You're identified with that company. But one day, because it, it was a motivational speaking, so I have to motivate them to be part of the company. But until you become owners, quote-unquote, of the company, from membership to ownership, that means you will have more uh, feeling for the company. You grow with the company. You, you love the product of that company. You become from membership to ownership. And one day, when you get promoted, and like from ownership, I learned this from Brother Biscal, from ownership to stewardship. God allows so much blessing in your life that you want to, God wants you to become steward of the blessings. In blessing, I will bless thee, and thou shalt be a blessing. Right? And we put that into our spiritual life. Sometimes when we get baptized, we become members of the church. So that's just membership. But until you realize the depth of the message that was given to us in these last days, you will just be a member of a message church. But when you realize that not everybody will understand this message, you own the message. It's now you and God. It's not the church and you, or the church and the pastor, or the church and your family in the church, or you and your family in the church. It is about you and God. You own the message. You are the message. 
And when you grow in spiritual maturity, then you realize that you have something to do. When you are convinced, then you get concerned. You want to be part of what Brother Tim is doing in the mission field. You want to be part of what Cloverdale Bible Way is doing. Because it's not just about us. What good will we have if we keep on feeding the revealed word of God in our church, but we do not think of other people that haven't heard the message, not even once. So we are doing these things not to make a name for ourselves, but to look for the last predestinated seed, to mature, to ripen the believers, and so that rapture will take place. It is our responsibility. It lays on our shoulders. Those, who are, those people who are long in the message, the question on the floor is, what have you done to spread this message? And I believe this church has done so much. And don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Sometimes you have accomplished that you will never know on this life. But in eternity, somebody will go near you and tell you, because of what you did, I got saved. I heard the message. What with the other countries without the message? Without the message, what will happen to them if nobody went there? Nobody equipped the ministers. Nobody prayed for them. Nobody really had the heart desire to do it. Maybe we'll, we'll just be all Canadian. You will just be all Canadians here. No other nationality. But because of the vision of the, I would say, first generation ministers. This message was spread throughout the world. Amen? And it's continuously spreading. And not only spreading, but this time we are in the ripening season. We are ripening those who have accepted the message. And sometimes when I look at the congregation over, when I stream, and I said, I, I, I pray and I hope that the members of this church will see the, the significance of why the Lord Put them in this church. A missions-oriented church that's, that, that's, that does not just, you know, attend church every Sunday, every Wednesday and go on their own ways. But you all have something to do. And you have been doing that for years and years and years. That's a reasonable service to the Lord. Right? You know, so God wants to prove us. God wants to prove you and me. Now, we have to endure. They that endure to the end shall be saved, according to the Bible. Now, endurance does not mean that you will have to stand all the affliction, the persecution, and troubles of life. It simply means you continue to do what is right Amen. or the right things despite of the circumstances surrounding you. Amen. That is true endurance. Amen. Because sometimes when you say endurance, okay, I will, I will endure the afflictions. Nobody can endure afflictions. Nobody can endure persecutions. Unless the Lord is with us, nobody can endure the troubles of life. Some people just leave the message because they cannot endure the demand of the message, right? The, the life, the standards of the message. But what endurance really means is to do, the, to, to do the right things despite all the circumstances surrounding us. See? You know, when, when, when a church is growing until it reaches peak, and this is happening worldwide. When it reaches peak, then, it, then time will come in the season of transition. 
that God has to thin the crowd. Those who are just hanging around. And you will see that the church is getting small. Getting small. In members. But not, that's not a negative thing. Because God knows how to thin the crowd. He wants to get rid of the things that are not essential in the church. When I say things, that means people. <laughs> right? And, 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 and when I, I, I'm not getting personal, but I want to tell you that as we near the rapture, as we near the rapture, people that will remain are those that are truly message believers. So don't look at the membership. Don't look at, oh, we have many crowds and many crowds. God has to thin the crowd. When he fed 5,000, then 4,000, then he was preaching the word, the, 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 the deep things of the word, people left him. Except for the 12 apostles. And then the Lord asked Jesus Christ, to whom shall we go? But out of those 12 apostles, there was another Judas. And that is the pattern. So I don't see, even in our church in the Philippines, God will bless it, increase in members, it will reach its peak. Like in the law of economics, it says, when you reach the peak of saturation, there's no way up but down. We will enter the narrow road. So once a crowded church will become smaller, smaller to fit the narrow road. And you will be glad that you are one of those who will fit the narrow road. Amen. We are not judging people, but that's the truth. It may be a hard thing to say, but it is the truth. And you cannot deny the truth, right? So when God has to prove the people, the, the Hebrew children, God has to prove us as well. It is continuous testing. God loves to test his children. We'll be proven and proven and proven. And the third thing is to know what, was in, what is in, his heart, in our hearts. The basis of God's judgment towards us is not that we are sinners. It will be based on the acceptance of the reject or the rejection of God's provided way of escape. God's provided way of worship. And God's provided way of salvation. Right? If, if we do not accept his provided way, my, uh, uh, my brothers and sisters, if we do not accept that way, then we cannot be included. Amen. Now, let me read to you here in, in the present stage of my ministry. It was a transition time for Brother Branham himself. And he was mentioning about Demas of the Bible. And you can read that in the, in the book of First uh, Timothy. We will not have time to read that, but Demas left Paul, right? And the, Bible, the, the prophet said, And now I believe Demas saw a falling, seemingly in Paul's ministry. Many people were following Paul at the peak of his ministry. He can strike people blind. He can, you know, he can do miracles and everything. And then at the last part of his ministry, he only had one coat. And he told him, bring me my coat. That means you can, you can imagine how poor he was. And bring me my parchments, my notebooks. Right? Here is Paul. All that is important to him is his preaching notes, right? And a little quote, because maybe it's called in the, in the prison. And here's Demas. He was, he was with Paul. Wherever goes Paul, he was part of the ministry of Paul, the great apostle Paul. And Brother Branham said, Demas, I believe he did not go back to the bar rooms. He did not go, to, to go back to the worldly things. 
But he remained a religious man, a religious leader in his time. He was well-educated, rich, but his definition of a good ministry is that you have money, you have big crowds, you have a big outreach, big programs. And here is Paul, ending his ministry. He said, he has, I've run my race, I've uh, uh, kept my faith, I've finished my course. That means in the eyes of God, he has done what he is supposed to do. No matter how, what the perception of other people are. So here is Demas. He saw a failing seemingly in Paul's ministry. I think that he thought the old fellow was washed up. You know, this is a carnal mentality. And you will say, oh, my pastor. He used to be a great pastor. Now he's washed up. He used to be invited in many conventions. But now no one, no one is inviting him. My answer to that is, so what? If you don't invite me, so what? I don't care. Because I am working for the Lord. I'm not working for the people. I'm not working for a name or a reputation. I'm working, my divine audience is God. You know, during the pandemic, Brother Tom, I was, I was preaching in an empty chairs. And it's hard to preach in empty chairs. And you know, I know you... You're preaching, shouting here and doing that. And no one was saying amen. <laughs> Even the cameraman is asleep. <laughs> yeah. It's so boring to preach in an empty chair. But you see, you have to do that. And what motivated me to preach in an empty chair? Because I read a part in a Christian literature. Your audience is God. When you preach. So I preach for the glory of God. You know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to preach on a camera. Unless you're a newscaster, you can do that. But if not, it's hard. You're shouting and you don't even know if somebody's listening to you. But you have to do that because behind that camera, you know somebody will be listening to that message. See? So when you start, your ministry starts dwindling down. I would say dwindling down not because you're washed up, but because God has already, you have already done your ministry in life. Right? And the Lord will reward us for whatever we have done in His kingdom. But people will see you as a washed up person. He said, now he thought that the people that would pluck their eyes and to give to Paul. And Brother Branham said, and Demas to a man that was of high standing, high caliber, cultured, educated, a rich man that had many changes of clothes. He said, that guy was something wrong with him. Before he has lots of coats. Now it's only one coat. Right? That had so many friends that would pluck their eyes. And yet was so poor he had one coat. Something was wrong with Paul. If that is the way you perceive ministry, then it's a wrong perception. <laughs> ministry is not about ourselves. How many cars we can drive. How many coats we can wear. How many invitations we can get. I can be a pastor of three people and remain a pastor of people for the rest of my life. If that is what God called me to do. See? And you just have to, we just have to know what God called us to do. Right? And if we try to be somebody else that God does not call us to do, then we will fail. But if we will make the perception of the people our standard of how to do our ministry, then we will never do our ministry in God's will. So, Paul, I mean, uh, Brother Bannon mentioned many things about Demas here. 
He said, a man that had a ministry like that, yet he was so poor that only one, he was keep on repeating that. Paul said the example like Christ was. He had one quote. Then why does riches and lots of money things means too much people today? Right? People see a growing church if there are many people, they have riches. And that's not, I believe, a measure of what the, me- of what the ministry is giving, uh, the Lord's giving to the people. We have to know, right? And sometimes people will leave us. Now, let me read to you, you know, uh, a quote from, it, this is about, it, I, I love this, this term of the, the, uh, the prophet said, we're building a wall. We're building a building, not a wall. He said, we're turning corners. We're building a building. God's word is the blueprint. Anybody can run a straight line, but it takes a mason to turn the corner. It takes the power of God to do that. It takes an anointed one from heaven to be sent down to do that. And in the prophet's age, the word of the Lord comes through the prophets and they're turned down, turned down the corner, turned to those corners. Now he was, he was referring to that turn of the age from the first church age, second church age, until the seventh church age. Now, we want to apply this in our life today. This church, the, the, the bright body of Christ, not only this church, but the church universal, you know, all the messages, we, we will turn a corner. And the prophet said, there's where trouble comes in. Not everybody can follow you when you turn the corner. Not everybody. Those who are just, you know, holding, they're not serious about the message. When you turn the corner, they will not follow you. And it takes a mason, a, a real mason, to help the people turn the corner. Who is those mason? These are the fivefold ministry. The God called fivefold ministry. See? They know how to, to, to preach the right word at the right time, at the right people, right? And to bring them when the, ho- the corner hits. You know, we will hit this time of transition. It's always a crossroad. You either turn left, right, go back, stay put, or go straight. But we need someone to lead us. Yeah. A pastor, an evangelist, a minister, to hear the preaching that this is the time of turning. We are turning a corner. This is the last, I would say, the last mile of our run. And people will not finish, not all people will finish the course. Some will stay behind, some will still go straight. But we know, and you know, we will know when it's time to turn the corner. Because God will anoint people, ministers, to tell us it's about time to turn the corner. And you are turning a corner. And if we don't realize that, we will continue to do what we are doing. It's like just be, it becomes a ritual. It becomes like just going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, uh, hearing the message and go back there. No. We are maturing. We are ripening. One day, as in the time of the first Exodus, we will lose everything, our passion for work, our desire for this world. Even in the mission field or in the ministry, we will start saying, we have done what we have done. Them churches, the prophet said, will be closed. And we had a preview of that during the pandemic. 
the, 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 the government can do such things. When I was reading the, those quotes many years ago, I said, how can they do that? For example, in the Philippines, or even here in Canada, or even in the U.S., in a democratic country, we have a Bill of Rights. Art, uh, Article 3, Chapter 23 says that we have the freedom of religion. So how can they stop our church in the Philippines? There's no way they can stop our church in the Philippines because I will show them the Philippine Constitution. I will show any policeman that will stop our church, our Bill of Rights. But during the pandemic, because of a simple flu that they called COVID, right? Everything was stopped. They didn't use our faith. They just simply used because of health. Just of health. And even those policemen in the, I mean, in our country, the soldiers and the policemen that have these checkpoints and everything, they don't even know what COVID is. When I go to the checkpoint, because we, pastors are allowed to go out, and I, you cannot go, I always said, define COVID. And they will say, okay, you pass. <laughs> because they don't even understand it. But they're just implementing rules like robots that they don't understand. But one thing I saw, one thing I saw, it can happen. And we had that preview. So we will not be surprised when the pressure, when the squeeze comes that we cannot see each other. That's why we are now feeling our lamps with oil. Continuously filling because soon we will turn to that corner that we cannot see each other anymore. Even the streaming will be cut off. Don't say that we have the technology. Yes, we have the technology, but it can be stopped. It can be stopped. But when the time of turning the corner and it is stopped, we're so filled with the Holy Spirit that we don't need a single preaching because we are the Word already. And we are needing that final transition in our life. But we have to realize that God, in this season, He keeps on humbling us. He keeps on proving us. He wants to know what is in your heart, whether you will follow or not. Because some people, if, you know, outwardly we can, we can say that we believe the message. But as brother, my friend, brother Ernie always say, when the rubber meets the road... Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that means because that's an American expression. <laughs> but I said, amen. <laughs> right? But what, I, what I'm saying, that I say, when, whatever that is, when it happens, we will know what is in our hearts. You know what, what's in your heart. When problems strikes us, when squeeze strikes us, we will know what is in our heart. You can, I mean, I'm a visitor in this church. You can say, okay, you preach. But you, know, you don't know my life. You don't know what's in my heart. You don't know if I'm saying the right things or not. Of course, I'm saying the right things. I mean, the, but we have, God has to look in our hearts. God has to test us. And once God sees what's in our hearts, then he will know if we're following really or not. And we cannot fake ourselves. We can fake our fellow believers. We can, we can fake our pastor, we can fake everyone, right? And that, that's my experience as a pastor. You know, some people will love you so much, give you so much, be loyal to you so much, and when problem strikes, 
you're the worst enemy that he has ever has. It happens, right? Brother Tim, Brother Tim has been a pastor for many, many years. And you see, these people, they, I mean, all of us as believers, professing believers, will have to pass these things. Amen. A season of transition. And we thank the Lord for the season of transition. Without that, we will never even know what our true self is. But in a season of transition, we can realize who really we are, and we can realize who our true friends are. Sometimes those who think that they are your friends are not really your friends. And sometimes those you think that are not your friends, they are your real friends. So we just have to pass through all these things. And I pray, my, my brothers and sisters, that, that as we as we travel, as we pass through this season, I don't know, some of you may be passing in this season, maybe some of you will still pass in this season, maybe some of you are just waiting for another season, right? But it will come, it will happen. As we age, more seasons of transition will come, physically, mentally, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. And I would like to focus on Sunday on our spiritual transition as we transition from what we are today to what we need to be. Because it is important. Otherwise, we will be left behind. We will not realize that what we are supposed to say, to act, to walk, to talk, because it is in that transition that we learn, that we learn what God wants us to do. And when we we do what God wants us to do, then we will expedite the coming of the Lord. Because we will be waiting here. It's not actually us waiting for the Lord. It's God waiting for us. We are so stubborn, so slow, so lazy, right? But when we reach that point, that when we realize that it's God waiting for us, then we will start moving the right move, talking the right talk, walking the right walk, and God will be pleased to all of us. Amen. So again, I will not keep this very long. This is just a foundation of what I want to say on Sunday. And I'm glad to be with you again. And I pray, I hope that uh, you have uh, gained something from this night. Amen. Amen. Can I invite you to bow our heads and let's pray before I turn it over back to Brother Tom. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you allowed this season of transition in our lives. Some are passing through a transition in their life, maybe in their families, in their jobs. But all of us, certainly are passing in a spiritual transition. As a body of Christ, we will transition to what you want us to be, O God. May you give, may you give us, help us uh, see the principles behind transitions, and may we apply it to our lives faithfully, that you may be pleased, and we will be pleasing to your sight, O God. Help us not to live in the standards of the people or the perception of the people, but how you see us and how you want us to be. Father God, I commit to you this whole weekend for the believers and may you continue to be with us until Sunday for the services and may you bless all the people. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all and see you on Sunday. Amen. Was tremendous. I'm, I'm sure you were blessed. I don't need to ask you whether you were blessed or not, but there was something for everybody tonight. 
Brother Bram said in one place, you want to know how important you are? Get a bucket of water, put your finger in it, and there's nothing there. He said, that's how important you are. You know who's important? Jesus. He's the one, the only one. It's in Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. say that I was humbled tonight because that means I'm not humble but can I say I was indeed humbled tonight it was a marvelous marvelous word beautiful laid out perfect and each one of us can take certain segments of it and apply that word to our lives and I, I always thank the Lord when I hear the word and maybe it just hits you real right between the eyes. You say, that was for me. That one's for me. And I felt all night I was saying, that one's for me. That one's for me. I just want Jesus Christ, the living word, to be living in me. Amen. What else is important? It's like I said to somebody not too long ago. I said, I could die of a heart attack right now. 
And I said, the first week they'll say, oh, Brother Tom's not here. Second week, they don't even talk about you. The third week, they just, you're not even a memory. And maybe a year down the road, oh yeah, I remember that fellow. That's about as much as you mean. But if you can live for Christ, when your name comes up, it's Jesus. That's, he lived for Jesus. And if we can magnify that in our lives, that's worth living. It's Jesus on the inside, working towards the outside, making a difference in my life. Oh, it's Jesus on the Oh, I love him, saints. It's the Holy Ghost. George, it's so wonderful to have you home. I, la- I need to make it one more announcement. I need one more announcement. Brother Wes, are you here with us today? Are we here? Can I make it? We are so happy to announce that Brother Wes and Sister Diane Nygaard have come back home. <laughs> God bless you. Amen. When they left, I just said, it's just a matter of time. They're such a wonderful part of our body. And the deep calls to the deep, and the deep knew that we need you, Wes. Sister Diane, Brother George, we need you, and we thank God for your lives. You add so much to this little body. Brother Pastor Manahan, thank you for a marvelous message tonight. We loved it. We love you. We love your family, your assembly, and what you've represented throughout these many years. He said he was on tour. A lot of you might not be able to read through the lines, but Brother Manahan, his whole family, what they sacrificed for this message, to see this message go throughout the Philippines. We're hearing the birthing and what's been happening now and over in Africa. Now we're seeing the fruits of what was happening years ago now being manifested and seeing works after works being planted, built, and manifest throughout the Philippines. And men of God have labored for it and are on unsung heroes. And one great day when we cross over yonder, 
you'll see one humongous castle or mansion or whatever. Brother Bram saw his house. He said, Branhams don't have a house. But there will be one there and it will maybe stick out in the corner somewhere in eternity. And we'll walk by and there, there's Brother Vernon Manahan's mansion. You know, people say, are so humble. I don't need a mansion over there. Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay, I'll have yours, okay? But labor, as the songwriter said, from the dawn till setting sun. You're not laboring for yourself. You're laboring for the kingdom. So I would like you to be prepared. We'd love to give a, an offering for the Philippines, for Brother Vernon for his labor of love, for what he's done and meant to us here at Cloverdale Bible Way. Be prepared for Sunday, if you could, that we'd love to give him a lovely love offering. Let's bow our heads. Our dear and precious Heavenly Father, we are indeed in times of transition. Our eyes are looking up knowing that our redemption indeed is drawing nigh. This world is growing strangely dim in the light of your glory and of your grace. We heard your word tonight, Lord, and it's nugget upon nugget, life upon life. We're thankful for men of God that you've shaped to speak a certain way that you can, Lord, deal with our hearts and that we could walk in the beauty of Christ. So would you bless Pastor Manahan? Would you bless his family? Bless his church? Bless all the labors that he has labored in love these many years. Use him greatly and that you would be magnified through his ministry. We thank you for him in Jesus' name. Go with your people now. Amen. God bless you. Would you greet one another, especially our dear visitors that are here, and give them a warm welcome. And God be with you until we see you on Sunday morning at 1030. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.